All right, while they receive the offering, why don't you guys pull out your Bibles? We're going to jump right into the Gospel of Luke this morning. Luke 9 is where we're going to be. And so um, hopefully you brought a Bible. Go ahead and pull that out. If you didn't bring your Bible, um, there's one underneath the seat you're sitting in. Um, It's a white Bible. Um, You can pull that out. Luke 9, I think it's on page 505. Page 505 um, is where we're going to be. If you don't own a Bible... um, like at all, you don't have a Bible in your house, uh, steal that one. Just, just take it. Just take it with you this morning. Um, nobody will um, tackle you or stop you at the door. You can, just, you can just steal that and tell all of your friends that you stole a Bible from church. It'll be amazing, I promise. Uh, Luke 9, we're going to pick it up in verse uh, 23, but we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We're going to start something new here at Flourishing Grace. Um, here at Flourishing Grace, we believe that this this book, this, this Word of God is just that, that it is the Word of God, um, that every, every ounce of it was breathed out by God. Um, it has been made available to us. It, has, it holds all authority um, that there is on earth um, is found in, in this Word. It trains us up in uh, righteousness. It is without error. It is fully inerrant. And so in honor and reverence of what God has given us, uh, I want to... I want to encourage you guys this morning. Let's let's just stand together, if you would. Just just stand with me um, as we read the word this morning. Luke 9, 23. And he, Jesus, and he said to, to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of God the Father and the holy angels." But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can grab a seat. Grab a seat. All right, Luke 9. I'm excited about this text this morning, friends. This is it's an incredibly um, complex text, actually. I, I think we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but so we have to kind of back up and give it a little bit of context in order to really feel the full weight of it as the disciples fell in that moment, right? And so if you, if you kind of back up a little bit in Luke 9, what you see, um, Jesus pulls away from the crowds, right? As we've been preaching through Luke, hopefully been reading through Luke on your own at home, um, the, these crowds have been following Jesus wherever he goes. These, these massive crowds pressing in, begging him to heal them, to heal their, their aunt, their uncle, their mom, their dad, their child, right? They're following him. They're, they want to say, what's he going to do next? I, I want to see what he's going to do. I, I, we wanna, and so they're following him. They're pressing in wherever he goes, right? Um, and so Jesus, in Luke 9, pulls away to pray. Just him and his disciples. They kind of hide out away from the crowds. They're like, man, we got we to gotta find a place where nobody's going to find us for a little bit. And we're just going to pray. And in the midst of this kind of alone time with his disciples, he asks them this question. He says, hey, who do the people say I am? All these people who are just pressing in, they're following me, they're going crazy. When I'm not around, what are they saying about me? Who do they say I am? And disciples say, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you, you are Elijah, right? Elijah um, ascends into heaven. And you say, oh, no, he's come back. Elijah's back. Um, some say that you're a prophet that's actually prophet of old that's, that's risen from the grave. 
Jesus says, well, who do you say I am? Silence. Um, Sunday school answer. Somebody, quick. Um, of course, Peter. Peter's always quick to, with words to give an answer, to give a response, cut, cut off somebody's ear. Um, Peter says, you are the Christ of God. Jesus says, that's right. That's right. I, I am the Christ of God. Um, but don't tell anybody that because I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. But don't worry, I will, I will raise again on the third day. He straight up tells me. He foretells his death twice in chapter 9. Um, this is the first time. He's, and he tells it, this is exactly how it's going to go down, friends. And he says, if you want to come after me, if anyone, if anyone, if anybody in there that day, if anybody in this room, if anyone ever, if, he, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. You see, this this blows the disciples' minds like multiple times, right? They, 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 I don't know how they're still standing there after this because in, in a moment, Peter says, you are the Christ of God. Jesus says, yes, I am. Their mind is blown. They're like, I knew it. I knew he was the Christ of God. You owe me 20 bucks. I told you guys, this is who he is. He's the Messiah. And guess what? We are on the in crowd. Like we're his guys, we're his boys. This is amazing. We're gonna push back Rome. We're gonna rule all things. This is great. This is the greatest thing ever. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody, I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise from the grave. Mind's blown again. Like like you can't fathom it, right? The promised one, the chosen one, the Messiah, the one who's going to rule and conquer all glory and honors to him. He doesn't doesn't suffer. He's honored. He doesn't die. He reigns forever. Of his rule, there will be no end. God has promised it. They can't compute. They can't wrap their mind around it, right? But they're still in the in crowd. They're still his boys. They're still his guys. And if you want to come after me, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross and follow me. You want to be on my in crowd? You want to be my boys? You want to come after me? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Like this has to like wreck their lives in that moment. Like everything that just happened, bang, 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 bang. They're just like, what is happening? Like this this probably took them years to like process through what just happened in this moment, right? This idea of, of denying one's self, right? What is Christ? What is Jesus calling us to? If anyone will come after me, that, that, that is you. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to be one of his boys, you want to be on the in crowd, right? You, you want to know him. When he returns, you want to be with him for all eternity. Let him deny himself. What does that mean? What, what does that mean? Now, a lot of people, when we, when we approach this text, a lot of people kind of jump to the conclusion that to deny oneself, death to self, to deny oneself means to, to kind of end, put an end to our longing for happiness, right? We got we to kind of kill this desire for more. But I don't think that's it. I, I, don't think, I don't think it's about killing the desire for happiness as much as it is killing the lie as to where happiness is actually found. You see, we are created, you, you are created to be happy. 
God did not create you to be miserable, I promise. He created you to know joy, to know a gladness, to know delight, to know happiness. And every single human being who has ever lived, and that includes you, I know that sometimes when I say that, when I say every single human being, you're like, yeah, everybody except for me. That's not true. Every single human being who has ever lived has pursued happiness from the day they're born until the day they die. There's something within us. We are created. We hunger for it. And God has created you that way. He has created you to need to crave happiness, gladness, and joy. Blase Pascal was a French mathematician and philosopher and theologian, right? Three titles. Mathematician, philosopher, theologian. Smart guy, all right? Um, in the 1500s, Pascal wrote the Pantheist de Pascal, and in it he wrote this, and I've shared this before, and I'll probably share it again, but I want you guys to, to, to hear this because he puts it so beautifully. He says it this way, all men, all humanity, seek happiness. This is without exception. There's, not, there's never been, there's never been anyone who doesn't seek happiness. We all seek it. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. They will never, the will, the will of a man never takes the least step but to this object, happiness. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. Pascal says, no matter who you are, no matter what you want in life, you are pursuing happiness. Every choice you make, whether you choose to go to war and conquer, or whether you choose to avoid war and avoid death and avoid sorrow and avoid destruction, your goal is happiness. Whether you choose to kind of pull out and say, I'm out, I don't want to do this anymore, and you kind of pull the eject button, you say, I, I, don't, I don't want to engage, I don't want to endure, I don't want to suffer, right? So I'm just going to end it all. Your goal is happiness, or whether you say, I will endure, I will press on in order to achieve this goal, this outcome, um, this ideal, right? Your goal is happiness. You are longing for something greater, a greater joy, a greater affection, a greater desire, happiness. We're all marching to it, and we are designed to long for it created by God in his image to be happy, to be joyful, to be filled with delight. So the problem is not our longing for happiness, but where we actually believe that happiness is found. Um, in the 1640s, the Church of England and the Church of Scotland got together. The leaders of the church kind of, they said, hey, let's all get on the same page. And they created what's known as the Westminster Catechism. Um, a catechism is a series of questions and answers um, that are designed to kind of um, get everybody on the same page and say, this is what we believe, right? We, we take from Scripture and we are going to agree on the answers to these questions, right? Um, what do we believe about this? This is what we believe. What do we believe about this? This is what we believe. And it's designed to instruct the people and to unite a people together so that we're all on the same page. We're all moving towards the same goals. We all have the same ideals. Um, and so the church got together and said, hey, let's do this in England. Let's do this in Scotland. Let's bring, let's bring these two great kingdoms together and unite the church. They created a larger catechism that was for adults, 
They created a shorter catechism for kids. And I know all of your kids have it memorized, right? The shorter catechism, they, they, you, they know what it is. Um, they've all heard of it. They, they have all the questions memorized. It's short. Well, it's only 107 questions uh, versus the longer one. Uh, but the first question of the shorter catechism is this. What is the chief end of man? Why do we exist, kids? Why, why do you why is there breath in your lungs? What is the purpose of your life? What is the chief end of every human being who has ever lived, right? Doesn't everybody want to know that? Every little kid's like, why am I here? Let's teach them. Question one, what is the chief end of man? Answer, number one, Westminster Shorter Catechism, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Purpose for existence. The reason why there is breath in my lungs is that I would glorify God and that I would find absolute, total enjoyment, happiness, gladness in Him forever. That's what you were designed for. You were created for that, to give glory to God and to enjoy Him fully in every way, shape, and form forever. And so, so when Jesus says, deny yourself, he's not saying deny the longing for happiness. He's saying deny the lie that tells you, man, happiness can be found in greater earthly pleasures. Happiness can, can, can be found in the applause of men. Happiness can be found in the size of my bank account. Happiness can be found in my title at work. Happiness can be found if this person likes me. Happiness can be found if, if I can achieve these things in my life or if I can go to these places and do these things. That's where the greater happiness is found. Jesus says, man, deny that. Deny yourself, or as Paul would say, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. But it's death. It's not true. There's greater happiness to be found. But as long as we're pursuing happiness, a lesser happiness, if we're, if we're putting all of our energy into a lesser joy, a lesser delight, a lesser happiness, we will never find, we will never find the greater happiness, right? And we know this is true. This is how everything works, right? We, we know that diet and exercise is going to lead ultimately to some form of a better life, we know that's true, right? Um, my friend Cassie, who, who came with us to India, um, she, she knows all these crazy diets and stuff, and she was telling me all about them, and, 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 it's, and it's true. I've known people who have suffered for years with incredible headaches, and they change their diet. It's like, oh, my headaches are gone, right? It's like, man, man I, I, I started eating right and exercising, and now I don't have heartburn anymore. It's amazing. No, it's not. Everybody knows that. Like, that's how it works, okay? Um, like, like we, we know, man, it's, it's better for your body. It, it gives you more energy, right? I know people who have horrible skin conditions. They change the way they eat and everything. Everything changes for them. It's better, right? Diet and exercise is good for you. It brings about a greater happiness, a greater level of life. But yet something in me tells me that what's going to truly make me happy is my couch and a bag of potato chips, just turn on the Olympics and lock the door for days. And that's just like where it's at. Like that's the best thing, right? I can watch these unbelievable athletes 
who can like do these most amazing things and I can sit there with my, on my couch with my bag of potato chips and I say, dude, front side 360, I think I could do that. Like if I do with enough practice, like just, you know, like a few tries, I could, I could probably handle that. Like ski jumping, who can't do that, right? You basically, all you gotta do is just not freak out. All right, just don't freak out. Just, just hold it. Just hold it. Now, you can do that. All right, I think I can. Well, don't put me. Don't test me. Um, we know if you've been coming to Flourishing Grace long enough, you know. You, you know if you if you've if you've read your Bible long enough, you know there's greater joy in Christ. He will produce greater joy and happiness in your life than you can produce. You see, one of the greatest, great lies of the world, people will say, man, man, Christianity, faith in Jesus, it's, it's, such a, it's such a killjoy. There's all these rules and regulations, right? Don't do this and don't do that. No, 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 right? It's that there's no joy there. There's no happiness there, right? Don't have, don't have sex. That's not true. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says dude, have, have lots of sex. Just do it with one person, right? So that, so that your hearts might be protected, so that your kids might know how much Jesus loves them so they can, they can, they can view it through this biblical godly marriage. And don't, don't be, don't know anger, jealousy, bitterness, malice. Man, what a killjoy. Man, all he wants from me is love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Gentleness. What? No. You see, what our pursuit of happiness in all of these earthly things, power, success, sex, money, um, the applause of men, and so on and so forth, what it reveals is that we actually don't believe that God loves us as much as he actually does. Maybe for you, maybe it's something in your life. Maybe you've done something. Maybe, maybe you have wronged someone. You've hurt someone so deeply and so painfully. And you're just like, there's no way God wants me to be happy. There's no way that he has a better plan for my life than, than I do. There's no way that he can produce more happiness or wants to produce more happiness than I want to produce in, in me. It reveals that we don't believe that God loves us, and it also reveals that we believe in so much of a form that we can actually do a better job than God can at producing something that's going to fulfill me. I can do a better job than God can at producing happiness. I can do a better job than, than God can at, at living a fulfilled life. It's just not true. It's just not true. And the reality is that every single one of us, we, we, we struggle with this. You struggle with this. When was the last time? When was the last time you, you denied yourself? You actually said some, there was something amazing coming your way, and you're like, this is going to make me happy. And you knew it was going to make you happy. Right? It was going to bring this temporary satisfaction, this temporary joy. And you said, no, I'm, I'm going to pass thanks because I want to tap into a greater joy and a greater happiness that's found only in Christ. And so I'm going to say no to that promotion. Anybody say no to promotion for Christ? Didn't think so. Um, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm giving you a hard time. Right? No, no, no we, we don't. But ultimately, that is, that is it. We, we struggle with this. We believe. We believe that happiness is found someplace else and it's not found in knowing the God of all joy. Second thing that Christ calls us to is to take up our cross daily. So we deny ourselves daily and we take up our cross daily. Um, and again, this would have just blown the disciples' little minds in, the, in that moment, right? Pick up your cross, take up your cross daily. 
take up, choose the emblem of Roman rule and reign, the greatest uh, instrument of torture and death ever, to choose to pick that up every day. Every day, go, go for that. Right? They, they can't wrap their mind around it. They can't, they can't understand what that, what that means. What does it mean to pick up my cross every day? What, what does that look like? Right? And he says, he says it's a choice, right? Pick up your cross. It's something that we choose to do. We choose to take up our cross and to follow Christ. And so it's, it's not a literal death, right? So the, the cross is this emblem of death, but it's not a literal, literal death, right? Take up your cross daily in what? What's the next word? Follow, right? Dead people don't do that, okay? Um, it's not a literal death. Now, now for sure, for sure, every single one of these men are going to die horrible deaths for the sake of Christ because they say, man, I love Christ. My happiness is found more in Christ than it is in the breath in my lungs. So I think it is a call to that. But we're not pursuing death. We're pursuing, we're pursuing gladness in Christ. We're pursuing Christ alone. And so we take up our cross. We, we're, not, we're not killing all of our influence, our power, our wealth, our success, our fame, the things that we own. And we have, we're, we're, not, we're not killing those things. We are, we are placing our lives in submission to Christ and saying, this is, this is all of yours. And so I'm going to use these things to declare your glory. I'm going to find my joy in you rather than them. And so if I need to nail it to the cross, nail it to the cross. I, I'm going to carry it around with me wherever I go. This thing will be with me. Um, and if there's every, anything in my life that I begin to find more joy in than you, just put it on there. Just put a nail in it. And just, just remove it. Ultimately, what it's calling us to is to, to be more like Jesus. The author in Philippians 2 writes it this way. Um, this won't be on the screen or anything in Philippians 2. You can flip there if you want. Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Don't, don't do anything because you think it's going to make you happier out of your selfish ambition or because you're going to get back at someone else and you think that's going to make you happier. Don't, don't, do, don't pursue that. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. Christ is your example. Who, through, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and be, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore he has, he's highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, ultimately this text is telling us to just be more like Jesus. Who, 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 looked, at, who looked at you and your brokenness and your suffering and your shame and didn't say, you know where my happiness is found? Heaven. You know where my happiness is found? Glory. 
And he looked at you and your brokenness, and he says, man, I can fix that. My happiness is not found in things and stuff and material worth and wealth. And so I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to pick up the cross. I'm going to choose to die for you. What are we dying to? What are we choosing to put to death for the sake of others? Daily, daily, friends. Without denying ourselves, this is impossible. Without denying ourselves first, the weight of the cross is simply too much to bear. It's too much to bear. And, and the problem is this, we live, we live in the greatest age of self the world has ever known. At least here in the West, in, in the United States, we live in the greatest age of self that the world has ever known. That the chief end of man in South Davis County, Utah, is to do whatever feels best for you in this moment. Right now, pursue that. Go after that. That's your chief end. How should everything around you be exactly how you think it should be? That's the world that we live in, man. We live in the world of complaints. Man, I can go on Facebook. I can go on Google. And in an instant, I can, I can say, man, this business, this restaurant, this, um, this church, um, this hotel didn't meet my expectations. It wasn't the way that I, I think it should have been. I'm telling you, in, in this age where our standard is the standard, where our standard of happiness is the standard that everyone should meet, the weight of the cross is just too heavy. Bob talked about it earlier. In India, we built this church literally about half the size of just the middle section of this room, right? And we got to go to the we got to go to the to the to like their inaugural gathering. It was amazing, right? People from this village, uh, just cramming in, and like all these little white people from America, just sweating to death. Right? The Indian people, like they're they're like clothed in like these nice clothes, and like they're just like happy as can be. And I'm just like drenched, okay? Um, and we'd be cramming into this little place, and um, we sit on the ground Indian style, right? And we um, we sing songs. We, we sing these songs and we listen to these sermons. Um, we, we took communion together, right? We're sitting there on, on a concrete floor. They threw a tarp down so you wouldn't get your dress dirty. And we sit, we sit on the floor, like crammed in. Like people are like poking through the windows and, and out, out the back door. They like, couldn't fit everybody in. We're just like just in there. And nobody said, nobody ever said, man, you know what? That's, that's my seat. Could you just, could you just maybe shift a little bit, maybe, maybe you could go stay in the back, or that, that's, my, that's my chair. There were no chairs. They sang songs, and nobody said, you know what, that just sounds funny. The mix is off this morning. It's a little too loud, a little too quiet. Nobody said that. No, nobody said that. They preached three sermons. Three. All right, friends, like, you think we're going long today. You have no idea. <laughs> three. They preached three sermons. Three, three sermons, and no, nobody looked at their watch. They don't have watches. No, nobody, nobody said, no, this is going a little long. i got to sneak out. That, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Took communion. It was a loaf of bread, sliced bread that we bought up that I watched a little kid rip up with his hands into little pieces. And, and the juice, they didn't have enough juice. It was like in a dirty water bottle. There was only about that much. They watered it down with India water. All right, that's scary stuff, man. But no, everybody's just like, this is awesome. Who cares? Nobody's like, oh, theologically, I don't know if this is uh, correct, the way to, to process. No, nobody said that. Nobody said that. 
they just, they just sang and they praised God and they, they lifted their hands and they, they said, this is amazing. It's amazing that we have, a, we have a, a building that we can meet in and we can say we have a pastor that preaches the word that wants to invest in our community. This is amazing for the first time ever. We have a place we can call our own. Rain or shine, we can gather. Who cares? There's no complaints. Praise God that these, these crazy Americans came and gave their money and their time to, to build them this church. It's building. No complaints. There's just thankfulness. And friends, I'm telling you, they love Jesus. We love comfort. And, and I'm, I know I might get in trouble for that, but man, I'm telling you, it is true. True. The weight of the cross in our culture of comfort is so heavy because everything has to be just the way that I want it to be in order to experience Jesus. I have to be happy first with the conditions of my environment before I can be happy in Christ. Friends, you've, we've missed it. It's too heavy to bear. Too heavy to bear. And so we must become a people who daily wake up in the morning and say, deny myself. Where am I seeking happiness? Where am I seeking joy other than Christ? Man, let's deny that, that, is, that there's ha real happiness there, that there's, that there's real joy there. And then we must be people who pick up our cross and say, man, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. You can, take, you can strip me bare. I don't care what you take from me. I'm giving it all to the glory of God. I'll find my joy and my satisfaction in Christ. And then, and only then, are we ready for the last thing that he says? He says, follow me. I think we, just, we fool ourselves into the thinking that we are followers of Jesus. But in reality, if we are uncomfortable, we're out. If we lose happiness, we're gone. If things aren't the way that we think it should be, we're, we're out. We're gone. Let me ask you a question. What, where, 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 what in your life is robbing you from finding the fullness of your joy in Christ? Right, maybe a better way to ask it is, what is one thing in your life that you would not be happy without? What's one thing in your life that you wouldn't be happy without? If tomorrow it was gone, like you would just be in a state of disarray, like it would just be sorrow and sadness and tears um, because your joy, your happiness is gone. Maybe, um, maybe for you it's an, it's an identity thing. Your identity is so wrapped up in this thing. Maybe, maybe it's something as simple as a hobby, but it's complex because everybody knows that you are the one that's really, really good at this thing. And if it was just gone tomorrow, you could never do it again. Like you, it, would just, it would just ruin you. It would wreck you. Maybe it's a title at work, this thing that, you're, that you've achieved, this, this thing when you can kind of say, man, this is who I am. This, is, this, is, this, this identifies me. This, this defines who I am. And my happiness is wrapped. If it's gone tomorrow, you should be beside yourself. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the applause of someone in your life. Maybe you just give everything. Every single day you wake up in the morning and say, Man, how can I make this person like me and love me and care for me? And you've created a whole mess in your life of, of just, of just half-truths and lies in order, to, in order to gain their affection. 
Because that's where your happiness is found. Your identity is wrapped up in them liking you. Maybe it's wealth. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's a status thing. I, I don't know what it is for you. Wednesday is the beginning of Lent. Season of Lent, Ash Wednesday. Um, some of you grew up in a church that um, celebrated Lent or recognized Lent. Some of you have no idea what Lent is. Lent is something that the church has been doing around the world for a very, very long time, over a thousand years. And it's a season where uh, back in the day when people really, really just loved the word of God and they, they loved Christ more than anything, and they did this every day. They, they denied themselves. They picked up their cross. They followed Christ, right? They would come to this point where they say, man, what else can I give up? I, I, I give up everything. I give up my rights. I give up my career to pursue Christ. What more can I give up? And so during the season, these, these kind of 40 days, 46 days technically, um, I'd say, let's give up food. And that was the thing. They would, they would fast for 40 days to find greater joy and for greater fulfillment in Christ. Now it's like, I give up chocolate. Good for you. Um, I love chocolate, but that's the week, okay? Let, let me ask you this. I mean, what's one thing in your life that would cost you? 40 days, it would cost you. Like, it would be excruciatingly painful for you to give it up. It would be hard for you. Your, your identity is so wrapped up in it that you just, you just wouldn't know how to function without it. Could you do it? Will you do it? 40 days. Maybe for you, it's longer than that. Maybe for you, you're sitting here this morning, you're like, no, my identity is so wrapped up. It's so caught up in this thing. I need to give it up forever. Maybe you can't think of it. Maybe you can't think of something. I challenge you, get your friends together in the room and say, what is it for me? Where is my happiness found? I'll tell you, they'll tell you. They know. Your friends don't, ask your wife. She'll tell you. Um, Where is my happiness found? And if nobody knows, just give up food. 40 days. That'll do it. And we think, man, that's miserable. That's miserable. There's no joy in that. There's no joy in sacrificing and giving and pain and suffering. There's no joy in being hungry. But yet for over a thousand years, men and women around the world have found greater joy, greater delight, true happiness by giving up, by denying themselves, picking up the cross every single day and following Jesus. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this morning we come before you and we lift your name high. Might the chief end of our lives be to glorify you and to enjoy you fully. Nothing more. We confess, I confess, that I love comfort. I love happiness. I love the idea of where happiness might come from from stuff, from possessions, from a, from a greater future ideal of life, from my family, from my friends. And what if I give up friendship for 40 days? Could a greater happiness be found? I gave up money for 40 days. 
greater happiness be found. With all my heart, I believe it would be. I believe that the greatest joy is found in you. Help us be a people who tap into that joy and know it. It's going to be hard. It's going to cost us. It's going to be, it's going to be work. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, that you would walk with us in that. You'd move us towards you, that at all costs we would put you first, and that we'd work with all of our lives to bring you glory and to enjoy you. I pray these things in your name. In the name of Jesus, amen.